Elliot, we're back again. We are. We are. Yeah. I, I'm going to say that I'm I'm showcasing my Cubs shirt. So for nice. anybody that's listening, I'll describe my Cubs shirt. And it really, it's because I'm in mourning. Because if you're a baseball <laughs> fan, you know that the Cubs have blown up their team. And every player that I really cared about is now playing for everybody else. So it's it's I'm going through a grieving process. Um, so I'm, I want to thank you and our guests for uh, walk helping me walk through this moment in time because it's it's a very sad moment for me. Well, but that, I, that's not yeah, that's good, Elliot. And I think the key is since those were really good players in their new teams, they haven't started you know off by playing very well or anything. So you know, hitting home runs the first couple games they've played or anything like that. So it's. Uh, just getting a little business there, but they they're doing pretty well in their new teams. They are, and I know you you, man. That was like salt. It's like you knew I was bleeding, and you took yes, like a whole hand. Put a little salt, salt in it. Yeah. It in the salt <laughs> and, yeah. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's all right. This is all part of the healing process. So thank you. I appreciate that. That's right. That. That's right. So <laughs> Elliot, hopefully they uh, they got a good farm team, so you can get get the next the next level of uh, of players that you can root for in the next five years. I mean, I, you know what? I hope that to be the case. You know, I mean, and the other thing here is, you know, I mean, I'm a lifelong Cubs fan, so I, I've grown up in pain and agony for a long time. So I'm prepared. I'm just I'm hunkering down. I'm getting ready for the next, you know, tranche of decades. <laughs> but but I, I, too, hope that that's the case. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, I can yeah. commiserate with you. I grew up in Philadelphia, so we're uh, we're nonstop uh, pain. Yes. <laughs> Again, yeah, I, being a I, Chicago I, fan is the suffering through it, of course, right? <laughs> it is. It's true. And if it wasn't for Wrigley being such an awesome place to be, you know, it would be horribly catastrophic. But Wrigley's great no matter what. So I'm, I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll be fine. So thank you. So Bob, so, um, yeah. I so I, I think, yeah, I, we better kick off the podcast because it's not called Two Guys in Baseball, even though I think that would be a really good <laughs> offshoot, and we probably might enjoy that one a little bit more, but. Um, you know, we are two guys in the cloud, and we've got two guests today from Snyder Electric. We're going to talk about, you know, power in the cloud um, and how all that works. And they're going to kind of talk about things that um, are new for me and maybe a new way to think about the cloud and how all that works. So I'm really excited about it. Um, we have uh, uh, Larry and Eileen here today to kind of represent that conversation. And guys, um, as a tradition in the podcast, we kind of go through, you know, what your your journey has been to where you guys are today in your position and love to hear about your backgrounds. So, uh, Larry, you want to start off first? Sure. Um, so I I am probably a, a dinosaur as far as the industry is concerned, because I've pretty much been a lifer with uh, APC and now Schneider. Um, I actually started with the company in 1993. Uh, and uh, and I got there through a, a pretty curious route. So I was actually uh, at Clemson uh, University getting my master's in materials engineering. Um, and uh, and the 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 woman I was dating at the time, we, we were going to a, a Clemson football game, and and her roommate's aunt actually worked at APC. Um, and uh, the interesting thing about it, if you've ever gone to the football game in the South, they all dress up um, for for the games. I grew up in Philadelphia and uh, we don't, we don't put on ties. We take our shirts off when we go to football. Games. So um, if you could imagine, you could imagine I was not necessarily following form as far as what you're supposed to look like when you go to a Clemson football game. So um, my, uh, uh, the, the friend's aunt saw, you know, basically we, we hooked up after the game and we're talking and, 
it got to the point where I was, I, I basically had, it was parents weekend. I had all the adults like in a semicircle talking to me and the aunt's like, I, she's like, if you can do that, you can come work for our company. So she took my resume. She had no idea what materials engineering was, but they were hiring engineers at the time. So I got a phone interview and next thing you know, I'm working at APC uh, and I've been there ever since and always on the channel. Uh, I've been on the government team. I've done strategic accounts. I did OEM. Um, I've managed our, our relationship with Ingram Micro on the distributor side, and now I'm doing the digital services stuff. So um, pretty interesting way to get into uh, into the technology field. Wasn't even my major, but you know, here I am. That's yeah. great, Larry. Quick question. Did you wear a shirt uh, to the interview? <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And okay, was, good, good. That was the other thing too. That's is good. like they flew me up to Rhode Island. I had never been to Rhode Island, so I was like, uh, I don't even like I didn't even know where it was, which is horrendous. Thinking about the fact <laughs> there's only like three states away from where I grew up, but yeah, that was uh, that whole process was really interesting. You could take the boy out of Philly, but you can't take Philly out of the boy. That's right, Eileen. Wow, I mean, hard to top that story. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. So Ellie, I'm familiar with uh, many seasons of suffering through Cubs and Bears losses. Uh, very very familiar to me as well. But um, went to University of Illinois and ran into Schneider Electric at a career fair. And at the time, had a lot of experience in sales. Adamantly did not want to be in sales, really tried to get out of it. They grabbed my resume and called me to come interview in California. And being a Midwestern and also suffering through many winters, hard to say no. <laughs> Ran off to California about eight years ago and uh, started working with Schneider Electric and the APC brand out there. So I, uh, I entered into an inside sales program, kind of worked my way through several teams, um, you know, enterprise, territory, Canada, channel, um, some management experience, and then finally came back to the channel uh, managing insight about three years ago now. So that's where I've been. And uh, just recently relocated from California to Arizona, uh, getting used to the summers out here. <laughs> it's been fun, though. It's been a good ride. Fantastic. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so you're getting used to all the, the hot weather and everything like that. We, uh, Elliot and I were just there last week and they, they mentioned that they got three days of rain in a row, which has like never happened before. Yeah. So did, did the humidity and temperature go down for a few days for you? It did. Of course, that was the weekend I ran back to the desert in California. I was in Palm Springs uh, where okay. it was still very hot. So I missed all that excitement. Um, I did get my first uh, haboob or dust storm out here a few weeks before. <laughs> so that was a real educational experience, you know, coming from California where weather pretty much doesn't exist. So uh, yeah, it's been, it's been very exciting having like a backyard and everything out here. So lots to learn, lots to learn. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I know when we talk about power, it's it's this sort of nebulous thing. You know, it's it's, you know, very broad in, in many ways. Right. And I think the trick is how do we kind of narrow that into a conversation as it relates to technology, as it relates to the cloud? And, um, you know, and all you have to do is go to the. Uh, the es.com website and you can see just how crazy big it is you guys cover a ton of ground you know and i found myself kind of double clicking into the it section and then recognizing that really we can parse this conversation in lots of different ways and even when we talk about the cloud it's 
hey, there's how do you power a data center? There's how do you power a hybrid environment? There's how, you know, how does that relate to the public cloud and how the public cloud is being powered right now? Um, and I, I think I'm hoping that we can start there, right? In terms of, you know, empower, and I, you know, I mean, just to kind of keep the sports metaphor going, it's a little bit like the offensive line. You know, if, if you don't hear about it, it's doing its job. But when you hear about it, you know, that's when it's bad, right? So, you know, like, how do you, how do you take that conversation? Where do we go with that? You want to start, Larry? You want me to jump in? So uh, I can give you I can give you the the kind of the managed power type thought process. So the way um, the way I look at it is not so much just the cloud, but really what's what's the cloud providing, which is really data, right? So um, through the cloud, we're 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 actually able to collect a bunch of data, which then from that we can make inferences as to what needs to be done. So if you think about where kind of the the markets going how we consume um you know basically everything's being digitized there's data that's being collected that that could be then analyzed to go drive a to drive drive an outcome um so when you think about power um that outcome could be as simple as i i can see certain things happening so i can anticipate so i don't have downtime um or it could be an outcome could be more from a sustainability perspective where I am seeing things that are out of out of out of phase or out of scope, and I can actually address those and actually drive more efficiency into my environment, which then cuts my costs, right? So, but it's it's really the data associated with that, um, um, and you wouldn't think of that as power, like you know, it's just like I plug something in the wall and it's available, right? That's great, right? But it's it's actually that is an enabling something to happen, and we kind of fit into helping to make that more efficient. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I was just going to say, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think power itself has been an interesting journey. I mean, we started with just being the backbone of data centers. And then as the cloud emerged, I mean, we're backing the cloud. I mean, we're making sure it's up and available and ready to be used and um, where data can go to be um, analyzed and have that compute happening. And now we're also seeing the evolution of power where we're leveraging the cloud, like Larry is saying, um, it goes beyond just making sure it's up and available, but we're also utilizing these services to bring our customers better data and analytics. So it's kind of a new frontier for us too in that sense, although we've been behind the cloud, making sure the uptime has been there for years. And actually, to that the other thing too, and obviously our our lens is more the old APC part of the of the Schneider engine. But if you look at Schneider in general, it's going through the whole supply chain. So if you start thinking about, you know, there's a lot of people that are generating power in their own in their backyards, and they may potentially could contribute back into the grid. It's looking at that type of stuff and really anticipating just our conversation about the heat, right? We know it's going to be a hot day. They could maybe anticipate where they might be able to siphon off from some of these independent. Um, sources to go help power the, the the demand so that everyone can run their air conditioner, right? So there's other different ways that we can leverage it, but again, it comes down to that data and actually know being able to see what's going on so we can make decisions that then go drive an outcome. Yeah, yeah, it, it that you know it actually makes perfect sense, and it's always through these conversations that I get a a better prism on things. By the way, I would love to have my house solar powered. I have not made that leap yet. But one day I will, and I just the idea of being able to, you know, kind of be that self-sufficient back to the grid thing just strikes me as awesome. And I and I think I hear what you're saying. It's it's, you know, being able to capture data around power sources or where power may be vulnerable and being able to be proactive around it. Um, and is it so when we talk about power with APC, it's 
you know, it, it is the backup generators. Is that fair? So if I'm thinking from a data center perspective, it's backup generators, it's surge protectors, perhaps it's the data sources that you're pulling forward to then calibrate the the generators. I mean, help, help me connect the dots. Yeah. Between, if I think about a data center, right, and I'm thinking about a generator, thinking about a surge protector, I mean, I know that that's very low hanging fruit, right? But what else should I be thinking about in terms of how you're leveraging that data to insulate that that data center? Yeah, I think the most common misconception with uh, backup power is that it is like a generator. So really the point of backup is to be in between power going down and generator coming back on or to give you enough um, time to back up and recover your data before you completely lose power. So it's kind of like that in-between point. So it's there to either help you save your data or switch over to a different source of power. Um, and then, you know, within the data center, what we're kind of seeing is those uh points of data compute and generation are expanding away from those large massive data center sites. And we're seeing a lot of emergence in the edge these days. So then it becomes um, power also needs to follow those locations because now the data isn't just happening in the data center, it's happening out of these smaller edge locations. So you need power in both places to make sure that the data can be captured and you're not losing that information because of disruption in power. And um, with edge sites, especially, um, you really got to think about the amount of volume of data that's coming out of those locations. And that's because they're spread out <laughs> over um, multiple locations. So it's kind of that like exponential IoT curve that we're really trying to help support. Um, and it, hopefully that kind of goes back to your, your question about what we're doing um, to back that up there. But yeah, that's, I think, how I would probably best describe it. Larry, you you mentioned like very useful analytics. Could you kind of double click on that for us a little bit and to understand maybe what some of the analytics and, and what um, you know your customers are finding to be the most important information? Yeah, so um, within our platforms, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, so one one thing that we see, especially with our um, to to um, to Eileen's point about the distributed environment. So you think about we have all these small UPSs that are out there and. Um, when you talk to some of these larger customers that, that have fleets, they they some of them just have this 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 rotation where every three years they change a battery, and they just they just do it. That's what they do because they know after three years it's probably going to be bad. Um, what we're doing through our analytics is actually we're changing that conversation because we actually can tell the customer through the what's going on in the environment. First of all, when that battery is going to fail. Um, but we also can give them information as far as some things they could do, such as like reduce the temperature to actually extend the life of that battery. So what that does is that kind of changes the, the thought process. Instead of just like every three years, I'm going to go replace every battery. Now you can actually see when stuff is going gonna, is gonna to fail and you can budget that. And, and maybe that budget that was allocated to that battery replacement could now then be allocated to something else uh, and or maybe even push to the, the budget for the next year. So it might be like, hey, it's, the battery's supposed to fail in August of this year, but but if we change the temperature, it, it lasts until February of next year. Okay, well, now we're in a different budget cycle. So now I just found some money. So by giving them that visibility, um, they can actually now proactively manage that environment, um, which then enables them to actually potentially be draw, you know, drive cost out of their model. So that's one. The other thing, and this is very much top of mind, um, is security. Um, so a lot of these UPSs are connected. You don't think of a UPS as a potential backdoor to the network, 
but if you're not maintaining a firmware, it could be. Um, so the other things that we're doing is actually helping them understand what their vulnerability is, and especially depending on which uh, which which market you get into. If it, like if you're in healthcare, they have compliance; they have to meet certain requirements. So we can actually help them with that to help make sure that they're 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 not going to have a cyber attack um, through their UPS. So. Um, so basically, that's how we're leveraging analytics, that visibility to go change kind of the, the thought process with our customer base. That's really cool. Can you just quickly for our audience, including myself, uh, mention what a UPS is? I, I assume it's not the, it's the delivery truck that shows up my house every two days. Um. <laughs> so so I, I would say the best description is it's a battery in the box. So when uh, okay. when the power goes out, it turns on and it keeps all of your whatever your equipment, your TV, whatever it might be up and running uh, so you don't have disruption. Great, great. Thank you for that. Thanks. And the one thing we're not so you know, backup, surge, all the, the data analytics, good. Is, is APC in the battery itself business, you know, in the sense that, you know, when it comes to the batteries that are charging up our laptops or computers, is that a space that APC plays in or not? And this is really just an honest question. I didn't, I'm not sure that that's the case. Yeah, um, no, no, not. So we're not doing laptop batteries or things like that, but we are, um, Yes, we are in the battery space, but only to a certain extent. So we're not there to charge devices or power up devices over a long amount of time. Again, it's kind of like big batteries meant to back up bigger amounts of data um, and give you ideally, I mean, UPSs are meant for like a five to 15 minute window. That's kind of like the ideal spot. It's just enough time to kind of get you to the next step, whether it's a generator or you're switching over that power source or um, saving your data and setting down. So um, yes, we are in the battery space, but not for certain products like laptops. And that's kind of what I thought. And that makes sense yeah. that, you know, but, but I'm imagining. So, you know, when I think about, I'm, I'm a little bit fascinated in that space because to me, the, the power of technology always has a bottleneck, yeah. whatever it is, right. You know, whether it's processing speed or whether it's the bandwidth in the internet or, you know, there, there's always a bottleneck and power has been there before you know where yep. we you know our compute doesn't have enough power to stack up with the capacity of everything else that's going on but i bet you know you're in a great position to understand the trends associated with power you're not in you know you're not creating batteries but you're interfacing with them all the time you're understanding what the trends are in the battery space or the power space yep. you can probably predict when these next threshold moments are you know so in the sense of do you think power, you know, battery power is keeping up with evolution? You know, you talked about Internet of Things. You talked about this massive influx of data. You know, it's, it's you know, we create these new precipices. Is power keeping up? Is it an area of vulnerability for us? I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely see signs of evolution. I mean, inherently batteries, you know, batteries, batteries, a battery. Um, but we do see areas where that is changing, such as uh, like lithium ion technology is something that we're moving very much into, right? Because we recognize a need where customers, um, they don't know the technology of UPSs. They don't know when to change those batteries out, or maybe they don't have the analytics because they're not using these management tools, right? So sometimes there's a need where, they don't have the right information. Um, if you're not managing these devices properly, your battery might die and you might not be aware of that. Lithium ion is a perfect solution for those types of customers because it gives you something that you can set and forget per se. So 
10 year battery where you can have that come out of the box and you have 10 years of lifespan on that battery from day one. And it takes that kind of need to monitor and stay on top of the battery life cycle um, away from the customer. So that's a great example of how we're evolving from a technology standpoint. But also a lot of what we're looking at these days is um, purely around like footprint. So as edge emerges and we see smaller and smaller data centers that are doing larger amounts of compute, you need a backup device that can compete in that space and really power those smaller edge sites. So something that's going to be lightweight, compact, long lifespan, easy to manage, and low cost too, right? Because you're buying over multiple environments. So it's kind of that perfect storm of um, we are definitely following those trends. Like IoT has been a big driver for where our UPS portfolio is going. And um, you'll see lithium-ion everywhere from edge all the way up to, you know, mega data center. And there's applications everywhere in there. Yeah, that makes makes perfect sense. When you say set and forget it, and this is me just wanting to yeah. get into my vernacular. So what I remember back in the day is, you know, you had to be cognizant of when you recharged your battery. Because if you re- started to recharge it and it was not completely delete, you know, depleted, it affected mm-hmm ability for it to recharge entirely. I mean, that that I remember that. Is yeah. it that lithium ion, you know, that that's not a reality. You don't have to worry about that. It, it continues to get full capacity through it. Is that what you mean by set and forget it? Or what, what is the, you know, and you talked about 10-year lifespan, you know, it kind of correlated to that as well. Is that sort of where you're, you're speaking to? Yeah, you're testing my technical skills right now. But um, I might not be an expert completely on the lead acid versus lithium technology, but essentially, a lead acid battery will give you like a three to five year lifespan on average. And that's just due to kind of um, recharge, temperature fluctuations, everything that goes into that. Lithium ion in comparison is going to give you a seven to 10 year lifespan just out of the box. Um, it does better in higher temperatures or more um, variable environments. So it can tolerate a lot more kind of abuse through its lifespan, which is why you get more life out of it as well. Um, outside of that, I don't know if I have the technical aptitude to give you greater detail, but uh, that's essentially what it boils down to is it's, um, it's just a different type of battery technology it gives you the same function essentially, but can perform better in different environments and for a longer amount of time. Yeah. Good, great answer, by the way. Okay. So. <laughs> Very cool. Very Hopefully cool. that made sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't get that engineering background like Larry, so... <laughs> So, so guys, I'm wondering what what you guys are seeing in the industry, right? From a data center standpoint, um, you know, as as I think about it, right? I think of the Amazons, the Microsofts, the IBMs, the Oracle, of the world building these mega um, data centers that is, you know, powers a, a lot of it. But I know customers, you know, our normal customers are also not out of the data center game, right? So they're using still a lot of data center products um, as they continue to move to to the cloud or a hybrid environment. Um, What are you guys seeing? Are are people still, um, you know, building new, smaller data centers? Eileen, I think you mentioned that, which was very interesting to me. Is, Is that still going on or do you just see, are you working with kind of the big dogs in the industry? You want me to tackle that one? So you, why don't you give your spin and I'll give you mine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we might have different perspectives yeah. too. Um, so essentially what I'm seeing is uh, hybrid environment is really the way I think the majority of our customers are going. Where I see um, customers still owning like a 
their own data centers or like a middle-sized data center would be like that enterprise level of account. So some of those bigger companies are still going to have in-house data centers because it's more cost-effective. What we're seeing is uh, co-location and and cloud is able to really bring those operational costs down for customers. So a lot of them are opting to put a significant amount of their data center product in those environments and really leverage those tools to bring their OPEX costs down. Conversely, when you outsource that, um, you are still seeing technology getting smarter. And now there's devices that are producing data that didn't produce data before. Um, I like to think of just kind of like easy to grasp examples. Like if you go to a fast serve restaurant and you see those Coca-Cola machines where you can create your custom drink. I mean, 10 years ago, that device was not giving you any data to work with (laughs) as a uh, restaurant here, right? So it was just, you know, hey, this is syrups out, go plug a new one in. Now those devices are telling you all kinds of analytics about what your customers are buying, when they need refills. It can tell you before something's about to run out, you need to place a replacement order for it. Um, And it can help you kind of tune in on parts of the business that you couldn't before. That's just one example. And you see it all over different types of industry. Um, Retail is getting very smart with a lot of things in the store. Apps that customers are using while in the store, um, they need to be able to connect to some type of um, compute system so they can have real-time data. I know when I go to Target, it's tracking exactly where I am in their store and can help me find what I'm looking for. All these applications mean um, compute is growing, but it's not growing near the data center that they're outsourcing to, right? So that drives the need for edge. So you have to bring that compute closer to where that data is being generated. And that's why we're seeing customers shifting focus from building large-scale data centers to edge because what they can do is stand up a smaller edge site and that edge is doing compute right there where the data is being generated and you can still communicate back to the cloud and those larger data centers to kind of drive the bigger analytics that are going on Um, but that's really the trend we're seeing and that also drives the need for us as the power manufacturer to be more data-driven and have the ability to communicate within that ecosystem. So that's why we're kind of seeing that data drive even on the power side. And, and that's kind of Larry's you know, area of expertise is kind of how we play into the data and analytics that are going on. Yeah, and I would say um, just to follow, just to follow on with what I was saying, like first of all, the, the the first thing I always talk about when people say data center is like I think we got to expand our definition of what a data center is, right? So when you hear data center, you think of this big one hundred thousand square foot room with raised floor and and racks, racks on racks. The reality is a data center is anywhere a critical function is being performed for that business. So that could be that big that big room. But it could also be just a rack, or even a couple. Like some, some we've gone to some business; they don't have the rack, right? Because the 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 server's just sitting on like a chair or something, right? That could be their <laughs> right. data center. Like so, yeah. which is crazy to think. But that's but so it it's really about what is how critical is that business that that becomes their data center. But the other thing is just to to the point that Eileen was making is you think about this data and what's what it's driving. So you're going to have that regional approach because it has to respond quickly to, to the needs of those of those customer sets. But that then ties back into a bigger engine, which is those big mega data. So there might be a regional one and a big mega one. So they're looking at the overall trends of their business. But if you think about like their supply chain, their supply chain is then now being regionalized because in that in 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 uh, in that one region, the, the, that customer set only needs they're going to tell you through data. They only need certain things. So that's what you're going to send to them because that ties into what what they're going to need or what they're consuming. 
in the past, they would just, you know, you have your catalog and everyone had the same thing, right? Now you might go to a certain part of the country and they only sell certain certain products because that's what's being bought in that area. So that data center, which is that store maybe, then that ties into a bigger data center, which then that which then aggregates all the data for the stores, then drives our supply chain, right? So I think it's just how we think about data center changes. Uh, and that's probably the change in the marketplace. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, so I, I guess I'm spinning myself into a couple of thoughts. One, one is when we talk about getting back to IoT, right? You know, and the idea of, and I think what, you know, you were talking about footprint, you were talking about physical footprint of the UPS um, within. And when I think of IoT, I think beyond, you know, and I think that the, I love the idea of expanding the definition of data center, right? And I think that's that makes perfect sense. It's smart. And I think, in effect, you could also say a data center, you know, to your point where data is being generated could be an IoT device, yep. right? And and I think that's what you're trying to get at, too. And when you talk about the footprint of the UPS, you're talking about devices that could be pretty small, right? You know, that could be. So I think about, you know, I'm going to exaggerate, but a drone or some sort of audiovisual, you know, um, you know, Bob and I have had great conversations around um, computer vision, you know, and the idea of computer vision and capturing data and, you know, in those moments and needing, you'll need UPS to, to be able to protect those devices. So how small does this get? You know, like if you talk about UPS, I mean, how small does that become, you know, in terms of footprint? I mean, you must be radically changing that conversation is my guess. Yeah, um, I just think one example that comes to mind is like point of sale. So within retail, I mean, you think about that, the registers, they don't, you know, they're not just buttons anymore. <laughs> right? They're, they're smart devices, they're backed by apps. Um, and that's how you have the customers um, exchanging revenue with your business. So that device needs power and it needs backup. Um, if you're in a store, power goes down and your cash registers go down with it, you're no longer able to transact. So we see a large need for backup just in, in that specific area alone. Um, and that's a very small footprint you're working with if you think about where those cash registers are and how you would put a battery backup in there. Um, so one thing like, we have is like a 500 VA lithium ion unit. So it's a lighter weight device. It's very slim form factor and you can kind of slide it in or finagle it into those smaller areas. Um, I also think of like smart manufacturing. So we see a lot of IoT and manufacturing now and there's no space on the actual physical floor of a manufacturer. Um, so what they're doing is they're moving those uh, small edge sites to the wall and they're actually mounting a rack on the wall. Mm -hmm. And those um, wall mount boxes are actually very small in form factor themselves. So you need a device that's gonna be able to take as little amount of use space as possible within that wall mount. So you have room for your the rest of your IT stack and the, you know, the real meat and potatoes of what's going on up there. So again, that's where like a slim UPS comes in handy because you need something that's going to give you as much rack space back to your IT equipment so that you can um, have the most compute in those areas. Yeah, and actually, Elliot, I would think back to your, you know, the conversation around the battery technology. Mm -hmm. I really think the limiting factor of size is batteries, right? So, mm -hmm. so um, I think you're going to find that the market's going to drive this need to have more more compact battery solutions. I mean, you can only go so small because you have to provide a certain amount of runtime, right? But if you think about some of the devices that potentially could be powered, they are pretty small, um, and especially start looking into like the home and those type of things. Like there's 
people aren't going to put a rack in their basement. I mean, some people do do that, but in general, that's not going to happen. So, so I think the industry is going to be forced to kind of figure out a way to provide that, that, that backup piece of the, of the equation more effectively. If we want to really provide what people need, which is the availability in where they're consuming that information. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, just from a personal standpoint, I live in Florida, right? And I've been through a couple of hurricanes and you know just being out of power for three or four to five days is incredibly crippling i can't work you can't you know can't cool the home um it is it is crippling to not only us but the economy down here so getting to a point where they can have backup power like that is just so important i've i've thought of different ways to be able to do that including solar um you know to be able to stay on during those times but that is one of those things that, you know, personally in my own home, I think about uh, a lot um, as as we, we think about it. And I would assume that when you guys are working with customers, they think about that as well. And what I was wondering is, do you guys provide like best practice consulting slash advice to, to companies that do that, like, you know, obviously don't put a data center in the in uh, coast of Florida because it's going to be knocked out. But right. I'm, I'm just I'm just wondering what kind of, um, you know, kind of best practice advice when you guys work with your clients. Um, you know, what what type of information do you give them if they're doing the edge device, if they're doing a larger data center? What are some of the things? Uh, Larry, you mentioned temperature. Right. Okay. So is looking for a cooler spot in the US smarter? Um, if you're doing more of a national thing. So we'll, we'll just love what you guys thought there on that. Do you want to go first, I think, or you want me to go? You can go ahead. I took the last one. <laughs> yes. So um, so there's a couple different angles I can go with this. So first of all, with like what we're, what we're doing specifically around the distributed edge, we do provide recommendations as far as what we found and, and some ideas as how they could do that um, or do it more efficiently. Um, as you start getting bigger into data centers, like where you can put it, so you'll see a lot of data centers in like the the, the northwest or in in uh, you know the colder regions because they can do air cool, right? So they don't have mm -hmm. to actually put all the condensers on the roof; they can actually do it that way. So so there are, there is there is some some logic. That's why you see all the big mega mega data centers up in that area, right? Because um, there is logic around where they put that. So that that's one thing. As far and then from a consulting standpoint, I'll, I'll go beyond just the APC lens. Um, we do have a, a division called Digital Energy, where basically we will go with and sit down with a customer and actually map out the best way that they can drive efficiency. And actually, we'll do a contract with them and say, but we'll we'll actually drive 15% out of your model. And if we do that, then you pay us, right? So so we we'll, we can go all the way from just like very point solutions all the way to like full business solutions right. to provide that guidance. Um, I would say though, as far as like where you build a data center type of stuff, I mean, obviously we can provide some expertise for that. That typically is going to be more like your your, your contractors and stuff are actually driving your GCs are driving that. Um, but okay. we could play a role in that as well if if they wanted I us bet. to. Yeah, I would just add like to your question around how we consult our customers, especially I'd say you know to the larger data centers. To Larry's point, it's very contractor driven, or they're going to have a team of engineers helping them construct that in the best you know area location, et cetera. Um, what we do because like on a lot of these edge sites, they're not in a traditional data center; they're kind of being you know retrofitted into an existing space. We just like to recommend right. our customers really think of it as a full scale data center. If you're just putting a UPS in, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice. Like. 
make sure you're adding in other devices to keep an eye on things like temperature or there could be like fluid sensors, especially like if you're in um, a restaurant environment or you're near a refrigerator in the back of the restaurant. I mean, there's a potential for water and other things that can really affect your data center equipment. So to really think about a comprehensive solution, like do you have the power? Is it a network device? Are you getting data from it? Are you tracking the security on that device? Are you adding peripherals um, to keep an eye on the environment that that device is going in? Um, so that's really what we recommend is um, don't just stop at the power, but really think about it as like a small scale data center that needs everything a traditional data center would. I was thinking the other thought, you know, in terms of the, the guidance, the advice, and earlier you talked about the analytics. How extensive does that get in terms of, I'll call it third party data? So, you know, getting back to what Bob was saying in terms of the weather, right? Mm -hmm. Fires out west, you know, I mean, do you, are you at a place where you can predict given certain weather patterns or given, you know, certain proximity of fire to power lines that it's going to impact power to certain clients of yours and as a result, they should take certain actions? Is, are, you, are you providing that kind of analytics as well? Um, you know, I'm thinking almost like predictive analytics as it relates to external sources. Yeah, so we're not we're not there yet. That that is the vision. Um, if you if you pay attention to the message that comes from from the you know, Schneider from the the home office, they'll talk a lot about their ecostructure architecture, which is really the combination of you know what we so we're, we're one component of of three or four different business units that make up Schneider. So we like ecostructure IT expert is our so, our cloud software for the distributed edge, but there's a cloud software for the power be so like this this the circuit breakers there's another one for buildings um for like building management systems and you start thinking and bringing those all together they'll eventually they will all talk to each other right now they're kind of they're kind of siloed um they'll all talk to, to each other at which point then we can start to aggregate all that data in our data lake and do those type of analytics um we do actually we do have a division that does have weather sensing software um because we actually we actually power the, the pga <laughs> for uh for what they do as far as the guidance they give as far as when they have to su suspend play and that type of stuff so um we do have that but we're not we're not there yet as a company but that is the vision right so we can start to anticipate what's going on around the world and based off of that we can we can predict what might, might happen in a particular location but that's that's still probably a couple of years off just as we start to pull all those those different platforms together all right larry you've hit my hot button with the pga talk so, uh, <laughs> so can, can you tell me a little bit more about that because that that's very interesting to me that because um you know when when they they'll call you know the the golfers off the course and and tell the crowd to you know seek cover and stuff like that do, do you know more about that solution so I'll, I could talk at a high level. I'm not, that's, I'm that's not cool. well versed on it, but but basically the way the way it works is that they're analyzing like lightning strikes and that type of stuff, looking at the way the way the um, the weather pattern is going, and even looking at temperature in the area. And based off of that, they're modeling out as to when like whether they think that 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 storm will hit and what to what severity. So so they're so they are using some of the analytics you were asking about, Elliot, to try and predict when when it might be severe enough um that there would be there'd be an issue so um you, you see about the concept of like you know cold air to hot air to cold air right so they kind of look at that type of stuff and they can anticipate right. like actually this yeah it, it's moving like this but actually it's going to hit that that air mass that's going to come over this way they start looking at those type of things oh that's very cool that's yeah. very cool 
it's a whole different division. It's we don't, yeah. we don't sell it, but it is it because it, I I'm like you. I I also golf, and when I saw that, I'm like, that's really cool. We actually that do something very useful. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. That's very cool. That is great. Um, well, I, guys, I think I think we're at time. So I I really want to thank you uh, for everything. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Um, I guess Larry, one last question: Genos or Pats? Uh, it's got to be Genos. Okay. Okay. And then I bet is that the best, or is there an even better? So I always have this debate because that you know there's, there's there's those are the two that come up. But actually, having grown up in the area, the 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 small businesses like in your local neighborhood, they have just as good, if not better, cheesesteaks than what you might get at Gino and Pat's. So yeah. Um, there's a, there was a local one. I grew up in media, Pennsylvania. There was a local place I went to that was just amazing. So, um, yeah, it's, I will tell you this, if, um, if you're, if you're traveling and it says on the menu, Philadelphia cheesesteak, it's probably not going to be very good. (laughs) (laughs) Sage advice. That is a very good device. That's very good advice. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So thanks. Thanks. It's been a great one. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. Got it. Thank you.